1: Part two of today's show is going to look at what Notre Dame has coming back and what Notre Dame is uh, is it loses. And obviously we'll start with kind of what Notre Dame lost because that's going to factor into who this defense is. It, when you lose players, it means somebody else has to step up. When you lose players, it means your defense is going to look a little bit different because you're not going to ask, you know, Drake Bowen to be J.D. Bertrand. You got to ask Drake Bowen to be Drake Bowen, but can Drake Bowen, being what he is, step in and 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 fill the role in, in a way that allows you to be good enough? And so then I look into the other situation, and and it's like, okay, we have certain guys coming back, but how do those guys play with the new players? You know, my skill set might have been perfect for playing beside that guy, but now that I'm playing beside that guy, my skill set is going to be hindered a little bit. We've seen we've seen this with offensive linemen. We see this with defensive alignment and we see it in the secondary as well, where hey, I was good because I could play this game and and you know, this was my strengths. And when I had Kyle Hamilton beside me or Aloe Gilman or Jalen Elliott or whoever beside me, you know, I could play my game this way. But when that guy left and and I had to be asked to do something different, my my game wasn't as suited for that. So there's all those things that factor into it. So understanding what was lost and then what's coming back kind of kind of gives you a better sense of that. So let's let's dive into that. These are the players that Notre Dame lost from last year's team. And, and as I said, I count returning starters or departed starters as guys that have uh, at least four starts. That's a third of the season. I'm going to make one exception when I get to the next section, but th- for, for now, this is what we're going to be. So you look at Notre Dame, they lost players from every level of the defense. They lost their starting defensive end and Javante Jean-Baptiste, you see the production he had last year. They lost two starting linebackers, J.D. Bertrand and Maris Leafau, uh, two very, very quality football players. J.D. especially was a very quiet, quietly a very, very good player from Notre Dame. Maris had his moments, but he was you know, a really, really good football. But the thing that he did last year, which was good, is there was just a, a more consistency from him where you didn't see as many of the the really bad mistakes. You saw the one against Louisville that was really damaging. But outside of that, you just saw a more consistency from Maris. Then, of course, in the secondary, you lose a star in Cam Hart, who had an outstanding season. DJ Brown was a really steady, solid player. I thought Thomas Harper was a pretty darn good nickel for Notre Dame this year. And then on top of that, you lose two members of the rotation. You lose Nana Safa Mensa, who when you, when you look at him and Javante Jean-Baptiste, they play the same position. So what you're losing isn't just two names. What you're also losing is... 16 tackles for loss, eight sacks, 13 hurries. You're in in 69 tackles, right? Like that's a lot of lost production that Notre Dame is going to have to overcome next season. That's not easy. Are they capable of doing it? Absolutely, they're capable of doing it, but you can't just assume it's going to happen. You have to be willing to say, look, that means some, some guys are going to have to step up. Some guys are going to have to perform and we're going to find out if they can do that. And uh, obviously, we, we, you look at uh, Ramon, Hart, Ramon Henderson was a part of the rotation. Of all the players discussed, he is the easiest to replace. He was not very good last year, in my opinion. I thought he regressed from the previous season. And and it's one of those ones where I, I don't fault that for coaching. I just think there was a lack of, well, I'll say it this way. There was a lack of a willingness to play the game with the physicality needed to thrive playing that game. And I'll just leave it at that. The overall production that this defense lost, it's not, it's not simple, but Notre Dame lost 310 tackles, 39 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks from its 23 defense. And that's not just these guys. That includes everyone that they lost. It includes guys that only had two to three tackles last season. It's the entire production that Notre Dame lost. And if you look at the tackles for loss and sacks, that's almost 50% of what they had last year. Uh, so Notre Dame lost 39 and a half tackles for loss. They only had 75, I believe on the entire season. Let me let me just pull that up real quick. Make sure that, uh, that I'm correct on that tackles for loss. They had 75. Yes. 75 tackles for loss last year, 39 and a half. I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world, but that's over half. Uh, your defense last year had 31 sacks, you 15 and a half you're losing. Uh, That's an easier one. That's half. So you're losing a big chunk of your production in the disruptive numbers, which is the interesting thing is that is the two the, the, the area where this defense needs to get better. You just lost over half of your tackle for loss production and half of your sack production, it, which is an area that you have to be better next season, or at least more consistent with next season. And then of course, you, you know, from just a pure starting standpoint, you're losing three starters in the secondary. So Replacing them is certainly possible, and we'll get into that. But I do think we need to appreciate that it will be challenging. They're, 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 I don't think any of those guys are going to be you know, very high draft picks. Maybe Cam Hart at the medical checkout can be a day two guy. Most of those guys are going to be day three, and some of them will be undrafted. And a couple of them, obviously, you know, with Nana and, and Ramon Henderson, they, they transferred. So they'll still be in college next year. But it is not going to be easy to replace those players. Notre Dame's gonna have to find some answers, and it's it's it's, you know, we kind of look at a lot of times at, at replacing players is just, you know, taking one name off and adding another name to replace it, and it's not always that simple. Uh, you know, it's 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 also about you lost a specific skill set that maybe you don't have anyone to replace that specific skill set. It's about production that you have to replace. Do the guys you are bringing in have the ability to re- replace that production? You. Well, yeah, they'll replace the production, but will the production come? I'm saying hypothetically, yeah, we'll replace that production, but is the production going to come in the same way? Clutch stops, sacks on key moments. Like, does your guy get? You know, do you have more sacks next year? But it's because you had nine against, you know, Northern Illinois, or you had a bunch in the second half when you're up three touchdowns on a team because your offense is playing great and you get some late game garbage sacks. Is that where your production is coming from? Or are you also as clutch? Because I think this year's defense was pretty clutch. Javante Jean Baptiste, for example, when you look at his production loss, 10 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, like that's not actually going to be incredibly hard production to lose if you have talented players. But what's lost in his production, and I think we'll all agree on this, is Javante wasn't just a productive player, he was a money player. He was really good against Ohio State. He was really good against USC. He had some some plays where it's like if he doesn't step up and make that play, who knows what happens. So you're not only losing a guy that was productive, but you had a guy that made plays in big moments. I felt J.D. Bertrand was that kind of guy last year as well. Cam Hart was that kind of guy. You know, like you're not just losing, you know, when you look at the numbers like 21 tackles and things. You're losing a guy that was had three force fumbles, but those force fumbles came at big moments. You know, you had the one late to put the USC game away, but you know, I think of the the Clemson or the Louisville game, tie ball game, seven seven. You want the defense to do something to give your offense a chance to spark, spark the offense. What does he do? Forces a fumble on the first drive of the third quarter. Notre Dame's off; they recover it, and you got you're you're in scoring. You know, you're in scoring position. So, those are all things that you say, boy. It's not just the production, but it's the type of production, the 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 timing of the production, the clutchness of the production that Notre Dame's going to have to figure out a way to replace this year. there is a, a an idea that there are there are you do have to put bodies in the lineup right? So somebody's going to take those roles. somebody's gonna have to fill that production. but the, the thing is when you look at what comes back for Notre Dame, that production doesn't only need to be made by the guys in that position. So for example, you've got Josh Burnham, who I thought had a, a pretty good year as part of the rotation, showed me a lot of promise this season. We'll talk about RJ Open here in a little bit. There's some young guys that aren't on this list that, that didn't play a whole lot. You know, Bubakar Traore, Tyson Ford, uh, Brennan Vernon. There's, there, you know, there's guys that could maybe be that big end, that defensive end type of rotation players. They don't necessarily by themselves have to replace the 16 tackles for loss and eight sacks. It'd be nice, but that can production can also be made up by Howard cross and Riley mills. They combined for 12 and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. Well, maybe they can, you know, combine for 18 to 20 tackles for loss this year and eight or nine sacks. And then the defensive end position can kind of replace, you know, their production and the Viper position. For example, you've got a returning starter at the Viper position, but only had four and a half tackles for loss and four sacks this year. Well, he was replacing a guy. That in 2000, I mean, think about what was lost from that position. He was replacing a guy that the year before had 14 tackles for loss and 11 sacks. So your Viper position saw a big, big drop off in production. Well, part of that was because you had so much better production from the the defensive end position. So your Viper didn't necessarily have to make a lot of those plays. But you didn't see the, the Viper play very well this season. I thought Josh Burnham did some nice things off the bench. Uh, I don't think Junior v- Tula Alamaka played very well this year. I don't think Jordan Patelho played very well this year. The good news is, is they did not not play well because they're not talented players. They are talented players. We saw Jordan finish the year off on a pretty strong note against Oregon State. I'm I, i, I I'm hesitant to, to let me get too fired up about that because, as again, he did that against their backup offensive tackles. And as I've made the case before, you know, Notre Dame can lose Joe Walt and Blake Fisher and replace them with two top 100 recruits that were legitimate top 100 recruits. Oregon State can't. and there's So there's a difference when you look at it in that regard. So that's a position to me, if you want to say, how do they make up the 16 tackles for loss and eight sacks that you lost at, at end? That right there is the biggest position, is Jordan Patelho's got to raise his game this season. He's got to play better. He's got to be more consistent. He's got to be more disruptive. The good news is he's capable of it. You're, you could potentially have Bubakar Treori getting in the mix at that position this year. He's a guy that I look at and say, "Boy, if the light goes on for him this off season, all of a sudden he completely changes the whole dynamic of your uh, of your defensive line. Even if it's just as a rotation, if he can just become like a pass rush specialist, you know that you put in in the nickel package or you put in, you know, against certain teams. Fine, I don't care. He doesn't need to be a complete player this year." Jordan Patello needs to be a bit more of a complete player, but I don't need Bubacar to be that guy. I just need Bubacar to provide some impact potential. And and here's the thing, talk about, okay, well, can the Notre Dame defense be better next year? Yes, here's how. You lose nothing at defensive end. Josh Burnham, RJ Oban, somebody like a Tyson Ford steps up or a Brendan Vernon steps up, or maybe even, you know, Bubacar puts on 30 pounds this offseason, and he's at that position as well. Whoever's there... You, those players match the production that was lost and your defensive tackles provide more production up the middle not just your starters who were pretty darn good last year and I saw somebody earlier in the chat saying yeah I just don't know if Notre Dame has the guys a defensive tackle to take that next leap and I would argue Notre Dame had one of the five best defensive tackle rant tandems in the country last year And every single player from that rotation is coming back next year defensive tackle will not be the reason Notre Dame doesn't take a step this year as far as like if they boy they better play better because they weren't that good however they can be a reason that they do get better you get what I'm saying so if they don't get better I'm not I'm not blaming the d tackles most likely you know anyone can regress but they're going to be good football players but if they raise their level of play which I think they're capable of especially Riley Mills I think Howard Cross is pretty flipping good and I don't know how much more I can ask of Howard than what he was this year. He's another guy that you look at and say, it wasn't just like seven tackles for loss and two sacks and four hurries and two breakups. That's not production that's going to blow you away. You know, it's not what Jerry Tillery had in 2018 during his All-American season. But when you go back and watch Howard, Howard was clutch. You know, hey, Duke's got the ball. It's a 21-14 game. You need a stop to win the game and he makes it. You know, Duke's driving and they've got the lead. They're trying to run the clock out. Howard makes a play and And so it's not just it's not just that he had production. it's he had clutch production. And with Riley, I think Riley was the more consistently disruptive player with pressures and things along those lines. I just felt like that's how I felt, But the difference was Riley didn't finish on the ball as well as he needs to. And that's something he needs to get better at. I don't know how much more Howard's production can jump up just by him playing better but I definitely know that Riley's production can get better from a tackles for loss from a sack standpoint, because he had a lot of pressures this season. The problem is that he just does not finish at the ball enough. And that's something Riley's going to have to get better at. And I think it's something he's certainly capable of because again, it's not a lack of talent problem. It's a lack of just finishing. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, you, know, you want to know like why I talk about you know more disruptive? I'll, I'll give you some. I'll give you some numbers of why I argue that that Riley Mills was more disruptive than Howard Cross. Uh, this season, Howard Cross had thirty nine. This is according to Pro Football Focus. He had thirty nine pressures. This total pressures this season. Riley Mills had thirty two. So Howard Cross had seven more. But you look at the numbers, and Howard Cross had eighty two more pass rush snaps than Riley Mills did. So in eighty snaps, he only had seven more pressures. Here's another way to look at it. Yes, he sack numbers are very similar. But if you look at pro football focus, they have a thing where they have sacks and hits. Howard Cross had eight. Riley Mills had 12. Right? And in 80 fewer snaps. Their their stop numbers, uh, Riley was a little bit, or Howard was a little bit better there. But even there, their the disruptions were very good. So if you just o- look at overall just production on a per snap basis, Riley was more productive. But Riley has to finish. He has to finish better at the ball. If he does, that raises the level of play. But even if they just repeat their 2023 production, that's one of the five best D tackle tandems in college football. There's no doubt about it. But Batelho's got to step up and play better. Jack Kaiser just keep doing what you're doing. I do think that there are things they need to do with Jack to put him in more playmaking situations. You, he only had one and a half tackles for loss last season. He had a lot more than that the year before. Uh, when, when you look at Jack's production the previous season, he had uh, five and a half tackles for loss the previous season, two and a half sacks the previous season. We've seen him pick passes off in the past. I think he only had, what, one one interception this past season, uh, right? Didn't he have one in the bowl game? Uh, or was uh, – let me see here. No, that – or Jack Kaiser – yeah, Jack had one interception, believe that came in the bowl game. He, you know, he's a guy that's been able to, to be more – oh, no, I was against Stanford. Uh, he He's a guy that has had more. He had two the year before, or in 2021. He had one in 2020, but he didn't have – and he didn't have any in 2022 and only had one last year. So I think there are some things that they can do, and this is why my hope is not – is that they don't just plug him in at will and he's just the will. My hope is that they play Jack all over the place. Play Rover, play Vibe, you know, play Play Will, you know, be an be an edge rusher at times in, in certain situations. So I'd like to see them trigger Jack more, because I think when Jack is used as a weapon on the football, and not so much as just like a, a Will or a Mike or whatever, I think Jack's a guy that has a chance to have a lot of production. Because if you look at it this past season, uh, and, and you just look at the overall tackle production, when you look at at, at JD versus Jack this past season you start to appreciate w- what exactly Jack Kaiser did and I've JD Bertrand a very good football player JD last year had 76 tackles Jack had 62. so it's only 14 fewer tackles. JD Bertrand this past season played 647 snaps. Jack Kaiser played 354. so that's what 200 what 93 fewer snaps something like that right some of y'all better math you can fair it's almost 300 more snaps almost 300 more snaps and only had 14 more tackles on a per snap basis jack kaiser was exceptionally productive last season from a tackles standpoint now the key for jack now is can he be more disruptive that's going to be a key and that's not to me about jack that's more about how jack is used my issue with jack kaiser really has come down to the last couple seasons is how do you use him? He's a good football player, but how do you use him? The good thing about what they've done the last couple of year, few years, is he's never played four hundred or more snaps, and I think that's perfect for him. Let that production still be high a, on a smaller per snap basis, because I don't think he has the body to hold up inside the way J.D. Bertrand does. I just I don't think he does. The last two years, however, Jack has had one hundred and thirty tackles. He's had seven tackles for loss and was about four sacks and he's never got the 400 snaps. There's a lot of talent there, but you have to use it correctly. My fear, and this is where I get concerned about maybe a little bit of regression, is they try to make him JD or they try to make him Marist instead of saying, this is who Jack is. Let's ramp up how we build around him. Maybe you don't ramp up his snaps more than 40 or 50 snaps over the course of a season, but we're going to use him now more as a as a weapon to attack the football. That's what I'm hoping we see from Jack Kaiser. Now technically he's not a returning starter from my criteria of you've got to be four starts, but that was just that was more had more to do with they would start certain games in nickel and then he would still play a ton. I mean his, his snaps were starter snaps I mean he, he he played a ton of snaps for Notre Dame this past year Thomas Harper played 438 snaps Jack Kaiser played 354 there's not a huge difference there obviously Thomas played fewer games he played more but you know Jack is basically a starter you've got in the, in the secondary when you took a returning starters that's a great foundation to build around right we what do we always say guys you got to be great up the middle when well, Notre Dame's got an all-American defensive tackle coming back his sidekick is every bit as good if not potentially better or has a chance to be better You've got a veteran linebacker coming back. Maybe he plays inside some, maybe he doesn't, but then you've got a unanimous All-American safety coming back.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
1: And then, of course, on the perimeter, you got to be good, too. And you're bringing back Benjamin Morrison, who was a, a an outstanding player last year. It's interesting because I think in some ways, Benjamin was not as good as he was as a freshman. I thought at times last year, Benjamin was not nearly as good in the run game as he was as a freshman. And I thought at times early in the season, he got way too grabby in coverage. But he kind of got through that. And by the end of the year, he was a much better player. And when you look at his production on the season, he didn't have as many interceptions because teams didn't throw at him as much, but he did have more total disruptions on the football. Cause the year before he had 10 total disruptions on the football, he had six picks and four pass breakups. And the year before he had, or I mean, that was he did the year before. And then this past year he had 13, he had 10 breakups and three interceptions. So in some ways I thought Benjamin, Benjamin was a better cover guy. Especially second half of the year, Uh, but the run game he's got to get better next year. He just has to, you know. Benjamin's a very confident kid, but I just feel like sometimes he doesn't trust himself enough. And we saw that, you know, we saw that when Bo Collins beat him a couple times against Clemson, and you know where he just didn't trust himself. So he kind of overplayed an initial move. He gets a little grabby with his hands. He's going to have to kind of eliminate some of that stuff. But we're talking about nitpicking one of the best cornerbacks in college football. That that's what we're doing. And But that's what needs to happen now that he's going to be a junior. He needs to clean up those things and and go from being a really good corner to an elite corner. And I don't think he's been an elite corner yet. I think he has elite corner talent, but he's young. He was a freshman and a sophomore the last two years. He's going to make young guy mistakes. But now he's a two-year starter, basically. Now it's time to take your game to another level, which means if he does that, means Notre Dame has a chance to have two All-American state. Defensive backs next year, like legit, not like earning it because of production and they put up numbers, but I'm talking about legitimate, all-American, elite level of play guys in the secondary next year. Then you look at what else comes back in the secondary. As of now, we anticipate seeing Clarence Lewis come back. I think Clarence is going to play all over. I see him playing the slot again. I see him playing uh, the the outside as well as as a rotation guy. And I also see him being a guy that might even play some safety next year. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. So he's a guy that that has a you know has a chance to be a he's a veteran guy with a lot of career starts under his belt. So so he brings you a veteran presence up front. I think the the key to me is going to be how good can the D line be beyond just what we talked about. Your starting edge players have to be better. The rotation can get better too. I mean, Gabriel Rubio this year. When he was healthy, he was a pretty good player. just wasn't healthy a lot. Not only did he miss four games, but there were several other games where he clearly wasn't 100% or even close to not even just normal season wear and tear. He just was banged up a lot this year, and his play wasn't as good. But you saw the flashes. Jason Onye got a chance to play this year. Had pretty good off-the-bench production, in my opinion, with 17 tackles and and, and what he did this season. Now you expect him to kind of take another jump. Donovan Heinish, I thought, had a really nice season and then you got some two really talented rising sophomores in Devin Houston and Armel Mukum, you know maybe they can make a splash this season. So those backup D tackles really raising their level of play could go a long way towards this D line being even better because if they're able to come in and produce at a higher level, then you can justify maybe not playing Howard quite as much at times and not playing Riley quite as much as times, which keeps them fresher and allows them to pin their ears back and go on the attack a little bit more. So, you know, yes, you return a lot of talent, there's no doubt. And yes, some of your returning starters, mainly Jordan Pitejo, need to be better than they were last year. But look, if Howard Cross, Riley Mills, Jack Kaiser, Xavier Watson, Benjamin Morrison simply just repeat what they did last year, don't get an ounce better, they're really flipping good and really productive. The key is going to be, what about those next guys stepping in? Can Drake Bowen go from toolsy, talented player to impact player? I think he can. And I think if you dig into the numbers this year, you're going to see that Drake actually had really impressive production on a per snap basis. So if you look at Drake Bowen's uh, production this year, Drake had 14 tackles for Notre Dame this season. And I believe uh, one of those was on special teams, if, if if I remember correctly. But he did that on 74 snaps that's it Jalen Sneed also had 14 tackles this season he did that on 231 snaps so you're talking about a big difference in production when you look at that that those two players you're looking at a guy that had almost the same number of tackles because I because a couple of at least one I think maybe two of Drake's were were special teams tackles I wish they would count that as a different category, by the way, but that's a different conversation. And and so when you look at when you look at Drake, um, his production on a per snap basis is really good, really good. It, it can he be consistent enough? Can he limit the technical mistakes or the you know like we saw the play against Oregon State where he bit on the double move and they beat him vertical. And that's what a lot of people saw, what we, what y'all maybe didn't see on the television copy, because we were actually talking about, I think it was, I think it was Tyler James and I were sitting, yeah, it was Tyler James was sitting next to me at the game. And we were like, wow, they're trying to do a lot of things to get Drake Bowen in coverage on the outside. That wasn't the only time that happened. And Drake was just locking dudes down. And so that was something that I was happy to see. And then of course, you see the young guy mistake where like the third or fourth time they do it. They get him with a sluggo and he gets beat deep. fortunately it was an incomplete pass. So there's still parts of Drake's game that got to get worked out, as it's true with all young players. You know, he's got to be more consistent. He's the not, not when I, when I say effort, I'm not referring to Drake needs to try harder. What I'm referring to, there's two types of, of, of ways that your effort cannot be as good. One is you just don't try as hard. And, and, you you know, maybe you're a little lazy at times or or you allow your emotions to dictate how hard you're going to go and practice. The other is comes from uncertainty and it, it, it's human nature. And this is what, you know, you, you all have to understand. Think about this. It's, it's like I said something. I was watching the Rams game this past week and I tweeted out because it's just the most annoying thing for me ever is when I see receivers at the National Football League level look back to the ball and slow down. Like this is something I taught my D3 and one double A receivers. Like accelerate through the look back, you know what I mean? Like it's something you got to teach. And if the Rams guy would have done that, he catches a ball for a big play. Well, here's the here's what's behind that. Here's why you've got to teach that. If you're ever running in an area where you know, like if you're out in a field and you know there's nothing in front of you for a mile. You know, you can look all around and lollygag and all that, and not be as concerned because you don't see that stone coming up. But more often than not, in, in almost any situation, whether you're running or driving, when you're running this way but you're looking back that way, guess what? Your na- your natural reaction, mental reaction, is to slow down because you don't see where you're going when you're not sure of when you're. I've used the example. I grew up kind of. I was in a little bit of a city, and. uh but there was like a, outside of like our little neighborhood, it's not, I wouldn't even call it a city. I'd call it like a, like, I don't know, a suburban area, uh, like lower middle-class suburban, like a neighborhood and stuff. But like outside of our little area in Lima, there's a lot of, there was a lot of fields. There was a lot of people that lived out on farms or out on big property. And so I'd go to friends' houses or I'd go, you know, pe- got go to see people or we're driving to a ball game that I got to play in or my dad's umpiring. And it's like, and it's pitch black. Well, if you're going to your friend's house for the 50th time, you, you, you're okay, I'm cruising. I know where to go. I know about how far this is. I know where I got to make this turn. I got to make that turn. And, and you're cruising, right? Because you know where you're going. But if you're in that area for the first time and it's dark and you don't know where things are, what are you doing? You're slowing down. You're uncertain. You know, you, you, you're, you're, you're driving slow. I'm like, oh, I don't know where I'm going because your mind doesn't know where it's going. And that's true for for athletes. if if your mind is uncertain of what you need to do, your body is going to slow down naturally. And so that's what we saw from Drake at times this year was he wasn't moving fast because there was a clear lack of clarity in his head on where he was supposed to go. And so as as Drake gets more kind of comfortable with where he's going on a snap-to-snap basis, then the plays that we thought were were, uh, flashy – become the norm and, and same thing with Jaden Alsbury, who's not on this list, but another guy that I'm really curious to see how he progresses this year. I've heard some really good things, you know, uh, about him and and what he can do and, and, and the the, what the next level for him is, but he's another guy that at times you'd say, boy, there's that, there's that dude that I graded as a top 50 prospect coming out of high school, you know, with, with Jaden and with, with Drake, there's that dude that has a top hundred guy with five star upside Boy, there's a lot of talent there, man. And so to me, uh, those guys getting it up here is going to determine whether they become impact players or highly, more highly productive players because the f- tools are there. Same with Jalen Sneed. Jalen Sneed has zero physical limitations as far as what Notre Dame is going to ask him to do. The, his issues are are mental from a, a knowledge of his assignment standpoint and technical. Those three guys, Jalen Sneed, Drake Vaughn, and Jaden Osbury, arguably more than any other player on the de- young player on the defense whose name is not Josh Burnham, could end up having the biggest impact on Notre Dame this year, whether they're going to be as good as they were last year, maybe not quite as good as they were last year, or even better than they were last year. I truly believe those three guys, in in some sort of rotation, you need at least two of them to really step up and be good, and the third to be a good rotation guy. But you need all three of them to step up in some capacity. If all three of them are just okay, then you're not as good. If one of the three is pretty good, the other two aren't, you'll be better. But if two of the three can step up, then I think you're going to be even better because I do believe the talent, the length, the speed, the playmaking ability is better than what they had. And so I think those guys are going to be a really, really big key Notre Dame taking that next step because earlier I talked about what Notre Dame lost, right? You guys remember that? I gave you the numbers of what Notre Dame lost this past season and and I'll give them to you again. A lot of production. They lose 310 tackles. They lose 39 and a half tackles for loss and they lose 15 sacks, 15 and a half sacks this season. Over 50% of the tackles for loss 50% of the snaps, sacks are all gone. But what do they return? They return 439 tackles. They return 34 tackles for loss. They return, it should say, 15 and a half sacks. They return 27 of the 48 pass breakups. They return 14 of their 16 interceptions. So we look at production that was lost. There are some areas where the production coming back is even greater what was lost and and so now it's about can you fill the shoes of what was lost there's a lot coming back there's a lot of potential for this football team to be even better than it was next season and that includes the defense now the it's going to be harder because the defense was even better but there's a chance for it to happen and that's something i'm excited to see and and as i said earlier uh, josh burnham what did josh burnham junior to alamaca Jalen sneed Drake Bowen, Jade Mickey, Christian Gray, Adon Schuler, Bubakar Traore, Armel Mukum, Brennan Vernon, Devin Houston, all these guys that I named is how important it is for them to step up. And there's some others that I didn't get into. What do they all have in common? They're Marcus Freeman recruits. And so when I look at just the talent, Boy, we say, man, the the God-given ability that Josh Burnham has is really special. Jalen Sneed, Drake Bowen, Jaden Osbury, Christian Gray, all these guys, it's all about potential. There's the potential for them to be outstanding. But can they develop into big-time players? That's the question. And so I I, I end this portion of talking about the current team because we're going to do the newcomers next is look and say, boy, the talent has a chance to be even better than it was last year. I I think the athleticism, without question, will be better than it was last year, top to bottom. But will the level of play, will they be more athletic at Mike Linebacker this year than J.D. Bertrand? I think so. Will they be more athletic at big end, defensive end, than they were last year? I think so. Will they be better football players? That's the question that we'll need to answer but I would always, always, always feel more optimistic when the, when the unknowns are as talented as Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury and Christian Gray and Adon Shuler and Josh Burnham and Bubakar Traore and those type of players. When, when the talent is what it is, you get excited because let's think about this. How many years in the last decade would there be a no brainer that Devin Houston was going to step into the lineup as a redshirt freshman and either start or play a lot of football almost every year from 2022 to 2012 in between those two seasons and almost, or 2023 prior to 2023 and almost all of those seasons, it's almost a no brainer that Devin Houston at the very least as a redshirt freshman is a key rotation guy almost every season. The difference now is Devin's battling just to get into the two deep right now at Notre Dame. That tells you how loaded this football team is, and it's the presence of guys like Devin Houston and Armel Mookum and and players like that that I look at and say, their emergence is so important to Notre Dame, it just might not be this year. If Notre Dame can keep those kids uh, focused on the bigger picture keep those two kids. Hey, look, we're going to play you and, and you're going to battle, but when Cross leaves and Mills leaves, you guys have chances to step in the starting lineup and become rotation guy, or or become rotation guys, but you're going to be very very important. Be- but if they can force their way onto the field this year, then maybe you're even better. But that just but the point is it speaks volumes about the fact that guys like 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 Devin Houston and Armel Mukum are uh, you know, let's see what they can do when when you project forward and say, I don't know how much they're going to play. They got to pass this guy. They got to pass that guy up. In past years, it was a no-brainer because there just wasn't enough depth or talent to keep them off the field. And I think that speaks volumes about how, good, how talented this team is. Now we just need to find out if these young, talented guys are also going to be really good football players. And that's what I'm excited to see. So before we get into the next section, folks, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Please give us a five-star review. And if you have not done so, we deplore you. We, we, we beg of you sign up for the message board of boards, our, boards our I'm just kidding. I'm not begging anybody to do that, but I think you are missing out. There's a lot of fun to be had over at the message board at boards And every time I say that, and start talking about the message board. You have people in the chat that are part of it. Start telling you how great the message board is. I don't know how many more times you got to hear how great something is before you jump on board. I promise you, you'll enjoy it and, and you will definitely enjoy it. I'm going to put a little update about uh, the rumors about coach Mickens here actually during this, intermission i'm gonna take a little intermission right now before we get into the this is only gonna be for live chat if you are listening to be a podcast it won't affect you at all uh but do a little intermission here so i can just go put that update on on the board and uh ryan's gonna have an update soon actually let me check and see if ryan already put it up about a potential big visitor that's coming this weekend it's not set in stone but he they're definitely working on trying to to get that going so that would be a, a big one as well so lots and lots and lots going on there you're, you don't want to miss out on for uh, what when we talk about kind of where Notre Dame is and uh, recruiting and all types of fun stuff. So you definitely check that out at boards.hoursbreakdown.com.